0: good noon time cuz it's roughly noon time good noon time it's not technically afternoon yet it's 11:51 a.m. in utah mountain standard time on september the 16th 2021 in the date and the age of boblimptalk.com and we are here living amongst all the Drimbley folk who wander the wasteland. We hear the screams of the pumpkin spice witches. We understand that you're looking for a good deal. They say there are ships. They say there are giant ships. Off the coast of Long Beach, they bring us Christmas. They say there are hundreds, if not thousands, of ships off the coast of California, off the Atlantic seaboard, waiting to bring you Santa's surprise. They say there are ships... But here in Utah, it is September the 16th, and you still have many, many, many shopping days left till Christmas. So if you want to get little Timmy or little Tammy or little Jimmy or little Sammy the G.I. Joe with Kung Fu grip, you still have time. You still have time to get them the whimsy wickle or the jungus or the Dringle, or the thing they're going to order as seen on TV that's made of post-production nuclear waste, you still have time. If your child wants one of those garbage cans filled with slime, you still have time for Christmas. If your kid wants a robot that talks to the sky, Don't worry, there's still time to try. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Real soon. Christmas is almost here. Santa and his reindeer are just taking a little break in Jamaica. And yeah, it's September the 16th, but in a couple weeks it'll be October. Can you believe it? And then there'll be people with Halloween, pumpkin spice coffee witches, aliens with laser beams, kids dressed like hobos, Frankenstein and vampires, ghosts and all kinds of crap from, you know... Those Star Wars movies. That's Halloween, isn't it? Halloween is about a month away, more or less. Six weeks, seven weeks, it's almost here. And won't it be special to wear a mask on a special day when no one can tell you to take the mask off and it doesn't even look like one of those medical masks? It can be a real mask. Or maybe you just wear makeup, that's your mask. But it seems to me 2020 and 2021 have been scary enough to a lot of kids in terms of adults doing tricks and not treats. And I mean that in all seriousness. I think a lot of it has been BS so far. If you want to put it under the category of fiasco, that's up to you. If you want to follow the razor sharp reasoning of Hanlon's razor and say it's all just one mistake after another, That is your choice. But as a matter of historical record, the banking system started blowing up in June and July of 2019. Before the COVID showed up, before the Rona, before George Floyd was ceremoniously or unceremoniously murdered in public for several minutes. Yeah, um... The banking system, the thing that allows the container ships to offload gunkus, so you can have a kid scream at you, can I have this year's gunkus?" And that kid can scream loudly. The banking system was melting down several months before the entire COVID-19, monkey herpes, race war, cartoonists are jerks. Trump is an a-hole extravaganza. So unless the the RONA travels through time, the timeline doesn't make sense. Now, on the other hand, if you recognize that the banking system was melting down in the late spring and summer of 2019, and if you understand that the people who more or less make decisions about your lives knew this, then the RONA represents best-case scenario one of the most brilliant implementations of austerity ever. What is austerity? Austerity is a crude mixture of Keynesian socialism and a kind of general, almost, yeah, almost social Darwinist perspective on the labor force. Austerity is essentially where People who've made big bets, who are big people, you know, big companies, big investment funds, they get made whole. Their bonds get taken care of. Nobody declares a credit event. No credit default swaps get triggered. Those people are taken care of. But when it comes to the little people, they get screwed. That's what's been going on in Greece for a decade, and probably the only reason why you don't hear about how screwed up it is there is because there are tons of other places now way more screwed up. That's entropy. Welcome to reality, right? But sure, there are container ships piled up. Up and down the East Coast and the West Coast with electric guitars and bicycles and trinkets and Halloween costumes and plastic and poison and doom. been opining here about it being September the 16th, but it's weird, isn't it? We have been in this upside-down reality for almost. It'll be two years in February or March, depending upon where you start the timeline. Sometime early next year, it'll be two years that we've all been in the snake pit, that we've all been living in this sideways no way to exist type wonderland and that people's businesses and lives have been destroyed and people's existence has been ground to dust and it may shock you, but it might've all been for a big fat lie. And yeah, if you're a Hanlon's razor girl or guy, you might come back and say, but Dan, it's because they're humans. It's because they made a mistake. Well, okay. But the real question is, where did they make the mistake? You see, even if you buy into Hanlon's razor general theory of humans screw up and more than they're actually evil, even if you buy into that idea, that it's better to explain it with a, with a mistake than malice. Even if you believe that, I would say, unscientific and unverifiable BS, even if you believe it, you still have to ask the scientific question, what was the mistake? You see, it's not enough to pull out Hamlin's razor and say, well, Dan, they made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, okay, Bubba. But why don't you tell me what the mistake was? Because therein lies the flaw with your Hanlon's razor reasoning, and therein lies the flaw with your perspective. You didn't dig very deep. You assume the mistake was a couple of funny people in a sitcom in the 80s. Somebody filed the wrong paperwork. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you thought it was some John Ritter-type, Three's Company, Mr. Roper accidentally gave us the wrong bill scenario. But actually, the mistake might have been way worse than that. And the fact that you have faith in the system, the way it currently works, the way it currently functions, is part of the mistake potentially. Like, what if the mistake is your faith? Do you know what a cargo profit is? Well, a cargo profit, depending upon, you know, which anthropologist you go to, a cargo profit describes a person in a Pre-industrial society that encounters industrial society, and the classic example are Polynesian people that encountered Westerners during the 19th and 20th century, 18th, 19th, and 20th century. During that period of time, it was like first contact, um, you know, and and so it was radical, and seeing these ships show up, and these ships had stuff on them. And the stuff was kind of cool, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't, but they were led to believe it was cool, right? Kind of like the iPhone. But they knew these ships were there and that they delivered really cool stuff. And yeah, the white man is kind of a jerk and he certainly doesn't keep his promises. But one thing's for sure, that European dude, he, she, they love their stuff. They love their Christmas. And so there were these dudes that came along, and this actually happened during the period of exploration, but even during World War II, when the United States built, you know, air bases in places that had never seen a European, let alone twentieth century technology. And so these dudes and these tribes, and we all know who they are, they're the ones that run for office. And these dudes and these tribes would say, oh yeah, you know, and maybe it was women too, you never know. And so he and she would say, listen people, I know when the next ship will arrive. I know when the next ship's getting here. It's right around the corner The moon told me, told me I'm in charge, the ship's coming, it's got spam, the ship's coming and it has spam, just for me and you, that's what the moon told me. These people were called cargo prophets, now of course they're They're doing the same old gimmick. Whether it's an ancient priesthood telling you when it's going to rain or when there's going to be an eclipse or when the springtime gets here and when we should plant the wheat, it's it's, it's kind of a grift. It's not to say that these people didn't learn things. They did. But they did the old-fashioned lawyerly patent office kind of thing. They learned something and they kept it to themselves because they figured that gives me power. And so this guy, this dude, whoever he or she is, this person, in one of these Polynesian tribes can predict more or less, probably because they have a buddy, a pal in the U.S. Navy that wants a little, you know, something, something on the side, and he's got a sister, and you know the rest of that wretched story already, brothers and sisters. And so our good friend, the, the shaman of Christmas, he has a friend in the U.S. Navy. And his friend tells him when the stuff's going to get here. And that gives him or her power. Because I don't know the history of cargo profits. There are probably priestesses as well. listen, Evil knows no sexuality, and it also knows no specific race. All races, all genders, all quirks can exhibit evil. The nicest-looking people can be the worst people. The scruffiest-looking can be the nicest. You shouldn't... Yeah, when they say don't judge a book by its cover, yeah, that's very true, brothers and sisters, in 2021, Boag so these cargo profits, these politicians, these liars, they made their life off the basis of telling people when something will arrive. When you think about the Federal Reserve, for example, someone like Jerome Powell, or you think about your favorite senator or congressman, or you hear that Acacio cortez talking about the nonsense of spending your way to a balanced ecosystem because that's what the green new deal theory is if we simply stack more tiger beavers aka humans if we simply stack more tiger beavers in bigger buildings so the poop pile gets bigger it'll all be fine as long as we're eating organic rice and cockroach you know stew But the truth is that giant stack of predators pooping and peeing all day is one of the core assaults and that doesn't change. That just gets worse if you believe their nonsense, right? If you believe the cargo profits, the profits of cargo, the people that tell you that Christmas is right around the corner, if you get one or two more booster shots, we'll all be able to go back to normal. Brothers and sisters, I do not know what the full truth is, but I can tell you that you're being lied to. And if at this point in September of 2021, you do not understand you're being lied to, then you did not ask the right question. Even if it is a mistake, do you understand the mistake? Okay, listen, people like Ted Bundy exist. I'm telling you, they do. And they probably have always existed. There have probably always been killers throughout history, like Ted Bundy, like Jack the Ripper, like Eileen Warno's, the trucker hooker, killer, whatever. There have always been killers. There have always been murderers. There have been Hitlers and Stalins and Mao Zedong's There have been these nasty people throughout history. So the question you have to ask is, where's the mistake? See, I'm willing to grant you the Hamlin's Razor nonsense if your cargo profit demands it, so you'll get your brand new keyboard this Christmas. But you still should ask the question, what was the mistake? I think the mistake was putting sociopaths in charge. I know, call me crazy. Dan, you're insane. That's crazy. Well, no, it's not. And the thing is, sociopaths seek out the easy way. They do. That's part of their nature. It's one of the reasons why a free society would reject them. Because what what you could say about a free society, there is no such thing as a free lunch. So the grifters and the con artists and the thieves, the murderers, and the Ted Bundys, yeah, they'll still exist, it'll just be a lot harder. It won't be so easy simply getting by in a free world. In this wretched world, people like Ted Bundy can run for office. In this wretched world, they can be in charge of some neo-Stalinist corporate gang pretending to support free enterprise while squashing every little person in their way. In this wretched world, someone like Ted Bundy could have had goals, you know? Like, even back then, if he simply, you know, shot for a higher target, he simply, he simply, you know, he settled. He settled on killing a few people. But he could have been like one of the presidents, if you believe they have power, or better yet, whoever it is that makes decisions about things like Afghanistan, or Iraq, or any of the other nasty, silly wars we've been involved in, or the fact that we have forces in Syria, a sovereign country that did not attack us. And the only rational question a person with a soul might ask is, why? Why? But don't ask questions, brothers and sisters, because the cargo profit delivers. The cargo profit will give you everything you dream of. So coming soon to a mall near you is going to be Black Friday. After Halloween, after you get your corn syrup into your system, after the Grimbozoid freaks feed on your body, after the day of all souls, after the day of the dead, after we enter the November season when the crispiness of the outdoor smoky fires makes you feel all cozy. And you're able to drift to sleep dreaming of reindeer, and elves, and a fat guy in a red suit, but don't worry, he's handling his diabetes. they're working right now. They're working to get those container ships into port at Long Beach. They're working to get those letters of credit functioning so whoever made that Drungle Freak toy gets paid in who knows where China or Vietnam or someplace else. Do you know, do you care? Sight unseen in this marketplace of lies. You don't have to know or care, you just have to get on by. Next topic. Yeah, I ranted there a bit about the whole... There have been a lot of articles, a ton of articles recently, about the container ship stuff, and the hackers, and the gas pipelines, and all the other nonsense. And when you sift through it, you're left with a couple of, you know, possibilities. One I think is potentially hopeful, and that is the United States mainly, along with the rest of the world secondarily, in some places worse than others, I really don't understand what's going on in Australia. It sounds too weird. But, you know, maybe this is a big, giant campaign, a military, psychological warfare operation, the COVID, the race war, all of it, To basically cover up the fact that the U.S. dollar is being rejected slowly but surely. And that really does mean, okay, whether you like it or not, that means our federal government is about to fall. Okay, it is. The only hot air, the only hot air that keeps that thing alive is the Federal Reserve. You take it away, the federal government collapses. It has no more moral authority. It's shot, if COVID did anything, it was, you know, it was make believe, but if COVID killed anything, it killed the moral authority of the central government. People do not trust the CDC, people do not trust the president. And when you look at Afghanistan, it only makes the situation worse. So really the base case. And and I've been here for a few months now if you've been listening to my podcast and if you're listening on shortwave radio, this is WRMI. 5950 kilohertz, out of Miami Okeechobee from the great Everglades, there will come an alligator army seeking revenge on the orca whale that killed their princess in 1978. Go alligators, go get your revenge. And if you want the notes for this podcast broadcast, you can go to dfgtc.org slash show notes. That's dfgtc.org slash show notes, Delta Foxtrot, Golf Tango Charlie dot org slash show notes. And if you pick the right date of the broadcast, that's kind of the hard part for you. You can get a link to the right notes and those notes may or may not help you. I cannot state for a fact that they will help you. Nobody knows. Nobody knows, really. Yeah, but anyways, to me, the base case as of right now is something like a Soviet-style collapse. Um, That is the, and it's also the best-case scenario, as long as it doesn't lead to a war. If you've studied history, one of the things you'll note is that major wars, especially World War I and World War II, but for the most part, major wars throughout history, going back a long ways, and some people call this the Thucydides trap, but it's not, I think that's its own kind of mental Dorito. But no, major wars throughout history are typically almost always the result of one empire Collapsing and another empire asserting itself. And yeah, some people talk about this in terms of what's called the Thucydides trap vis a vis Athens and Sparta and what was going on in the fifth century, you know, BC, stuff like that. But that's a story of Greeks, and we're not talking about the Greeks right now. So yeah, there is a scenario by which the collapse of the empire, because we did build an empire, um, there were debates in the Senate at the end of the Spanish-American War about this very topic. You can read them. I read them in high school. So back then they recognized that going down the road we were going down was a road to building an empire. But if you really think about it, we were doing that right from the beginning. In fact, probably right from the moment that the ink dried on the US Constitution that gave a federal government the ability to have an army and to have taxes and to have roads, and to have an empire. So, if you're wondering what created the United States Empire, well, I think it was the United States Constitution. And the trick, the smokescreen, the lie, was the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights was a joke. And if you don't understand, the Bill of Rights is dead. The only thing that prevents your rights from being taken away at this point is my own base case i think the central government is done and yeah i think you take away the federal reserve and it implodes on itself it's like a you know a honey puff pancake it you know it comes out of the oven all fluffy and thick it's 1913 we're all fluffy and thick you know when the federal reserve comes into existence but it's 2021 and you know you look at it now and it's flattened out and dried out and grisly. I think it's over. Understand, you can print money, you can't print resources. You have to work for those. That, that requires effort. And that's one of the many things the government is not very good at, or at least in, in any sense of efficiency. Like, okay, if it cost X to do something in a free market, Government would always be x minus you know in terms of in terms of the outcome. like if it cost X to do it in the free market, government would always do it for like two or three x, but some x greater than than nothing, greater than x, some value. And on top of it, the outcomes would always be worse. So it's it's sort of like government you can you can get it to do things, but it never does those things very efficiently. Yeah, you could make the weird argument that the Constitution was the founding document of an empire, not a republic. That's not what happened. And if you don't understand that, study some more 19th century history. Understand what happened in the West. Understand the history of the Mexican-American War. Understand what happened to Native Americans that made agreements with us. And like a good empire, we broke them. It wasn't really about being the white man. White people, yellow people, all races, all creeds can be two-faced, can be liars, can be cheats. Being evil, as I said, does not respect any particular race or gender. But you know what loves to break promises? Empires. Because empires are the penultimate form of government and government must always grow. And if you think that a hungry crocodile that weighs a gazillion tons and is looking at your town or your village or your gold or your lithium or your oil, if you think this 20 bazillion ton crocodile is going to respect something like, I don't know, a contract or a treaty or an agreement, you're crazy, 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 crazy. There are no agreements, there are no contracts, there is nothing that an empire will obey or keep a promise to. The only thing an empire is dedicated to is to its own survival. And it will do that, and this is the fun part, to the point of self-destruction. Which means, yes, ultimately in the DNA of every empire is collapse, and that's good news. It's just sad that once an empire collapses, it's almost 3 seconds later and someone else wants to create a new one. You know, it, it it's kind of insane, it's sad. It's I don't know that it has to be that way, but A lot of people have been raised on this notion that if you don't have a government, you don't have roads, you don't have hospitals, you don't have television, you don't have food. I can tell you, you would have all of those things and more if you lived in a free world. You would probably have fewer lies. Because of the many things that keeps the government alive, you could say lies is one of its powerful sources of energy and power. You take away the government, yeah, people still lie, yeah, you know, husbands and wives cheat on each other, grow up. But the government spends your tax dollars paying journalists to lie to you. This is actually a known thing. This was in one of the NDAA, one of the defense reauthorization bills several years ago under Obama. The government can pay journalists to lie to you. So you should understand that when you think about things like the monkey herpes or the race war or any of the other nonsense that's going on. Because a lot of it looks like nonsense. Base case, this is the collapse of the empire. And worst case, there's a war. Worst case than that is that all this is a smokescreen to cover up some event they don't control. Now, collapse of the empire would be a good example of an event they don't control. But what if it was an event worse than that? Okay, fuzzy events are things like, I don't know, earthquakes. An earthquake is kind of a fuzzy event because scientists think they can make predictions about earthquakes. But for the most part, the, the ability to make predictions around earthquakes is not that accurate. There's still a long ways to go. So you could say an earthquake... Even with a supercomputer, best case, you might say, oh, there's a range of time. Caldera volcanoes are catastrophic. Um, You can research caldera, that's Charlie, Alpha, Lima, Delta, Echo, Romeo, Alpha, caldera. I think I said that right. But yeah, caldera volcanoes, um, they're called super volcanoes. There's one at Yellowstone. It's, gi- it's ginormous. They say that if it went off, it could trigger a massive worldwide ice age. So another kind of fuzzy event would be a caldera volcano. I think a flare super flare event from the Sun would also fit into the same category. We're, we're getting better at you know space weather. the science is better understood today than it was when I was a kid. but still, you know, it's possible that a, that they would at best be able to predict a range of time. Like somebody says, there's a near certainty that between, let's say, December 2019 and, I don't know, February 2023, or let's say March or April or May 2023, there'll be a super flare, a gigantic super flare. It won't be a Carrington, it'll be maybe a thousand times worse. It'll be so bad that it'll probably burn away um, most of the upper atmosphere when it hits. And if you're not living underground in Antarctica, depending upon which side of the planet gets the brunt of it, you're you're probably going to be dead. You're, you're not going to live another day. So yeah, a super flare like that. Um, a flare that you know, still theoretical, in in a sense, at least in terms of our own fossil record, in terms of the history of extinctions. I don't think anyone's claimed that that's caused one yet, but that could be one. But other than those, that and again, we're talking about worldwide catastrophe. Other than those, the other possibility, and and I think it it's something I started researching, learning about in twenty eighteen, and and I guess i went down that rat hole because i looked around the the place where i grew up you know puget sound and whether it was going to a forest and it was deathly quiet and that was weird or that almost you could almost see no earthworms after rainstorms like when i was a kid like all of a sudden it was gone or the fact that people drove around cars and it seemed like for a few years in a row there weren't a lot of dead bugs on the windshield And you say, well, Dan, what does that mean, dead bugs on the windshield? Well, I know that we don't love insects. In fact, we're raised, you know, it seems like the chemical industry, (laughs) between the chemical industry and the pharmaceutical industry, we've been driven to be afraid of all the living creatures around us. It's really, really kind of creepy. The degree to which we've been driven to the point where Every little creature that lives around us is scary and dangerous and therefore we need to go to Home Depot or True Value. The cargo prophet told me that if I go to True Value and get what's called DX17 version Alpha Green, it'll kill all the ants, it'll kill all the flies, it'll kill the bats too. kill everything if you get it no more pests in your yard if you get the alpha green the a is for a okay but i'm going to shock you and and it's something that my ex-wife was right about and so i'm going to say something nice about my ex-wife she used to be mostly opposed to using heavy duty chemicals to clean up around the apartment And I thought, you're a Luddite, you know, and I watched the Penn and Teller where they talked about, what was it, DDT and how DDT can save lives, whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And man, don't get me started on Penn and Teller and that show they did on Showtime, you know, bullshit. I kind of think it was not only not ironically named, but it actually, they were telling you exactly what the show was gonna be. I I think that they have actually told a lot of not necessarily lies, but they've been involved in a lot of very deceptive practices. And what's funny is they are ostensibly in that kind of libertarian Cato institute universe that so many small government Republicans, you know, believe in, but it never really happens though, does it? I liked a few of their shows. I think that they were a weird mixture of deep state hangout and some authentic truth, which is kind of how the state works anyways. They give you a lot of dreck they want you to eat, but like Mary Poppins, they give you a little bit of sugar too, don't they? A A little bit something sweet to snack on. Penn and Teller's bullshit was probably, you know, 50% bullshit, especially the episodes where they dealt with 9-11 and stuff like the energy issue. They tended to take the kind of the weirdest lines. It's like the nuclear industry. You know, Penn and Teller tend to be opposed to government, but they pushed this whole nuclear industry thing. And I'm thinking, do you understand how much of that industry is nearly 100% result of the government. You take the government away. And yeah, some of it might still exist, but a big portion of it will be how do we clean this shit up? Um, but yeah, no, it, it was a weird show. They told their little stories. Penn and Teller. The thing I started researching in 2018 was something called the clathrate gun. And and clathrate refers to a state that frozen methane will find itself in at a certain depth and pressure. Understand that at normal pressure, like pressure of a standard atmosphere on planet Earth, methane does not want to be frozen. Methane wants to go up, up, up to the top of atmosphere. Because it's relatively light, it's CH it's CH4, it's one carbon and four hydrogen atoms. CH4, right? And of course there's more going on with organic chemistry than simple composition. That you know how a molecule is actually twisted even though it has the same bonds, but its actual twist can change the way in which it impacts its behavior. So when I say CH4, don't get obsessed with, well, Dan, there's CH4, yeah, I know, whatever. But I'm talking about simple composition. So clathrate is this frozen methane, and it is believed, again, can I add the little caveat if if you believe what you're told? It is believed that there are trillions of tons of frozen clathrate around the Arctic Circle, okay, at, at relatively shallow depths. Not super shallow, but, you know, 300 to 400 feet in some cases. But places like the East Siberian Arctic Shelf, which is relatively shallow, could be teeming with trillions of tons of frozen methane. And already, there are pictures you can go research Arctic pingo, Arctic volcanic explosion, and they'll call it a mystery. I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you and tell you that when these pingos first started showing up in any great number, it was not a mystery. The scientists knew exactly what it was. The clathrate gun refers to a positive feedback. Now, what is a positive feedback? Well, For example, um, what is a good example? Well, a good example of a positive feedback is an arms race. You know, where we say, well, I've got the Alpha Bomb. I've got the Alpha Bomb. It'll destroy Gringusville. We'll steal their toys. We'll steal their hookers. We'll steal their pills because I've got the Alpha Bomb. And then Gringusville says, well, I have bomb x-ray. It'll vaporize your mind. It'll travel through time. It'll steal your grandparents and sell them as slaves. You know, they have that bomb. Now, in any arms race, each side will come up with a greater Gringas bomb, a greater nuclear weapon, a super hydrogen bomb, a neutron bomb, and it builds and it builds and it builds. And eventually, arms races, you know, make people bankrupt. So ultimately, they do end too. And, and not always in war. Sometimes they simply end because either one country or the other country no longer has the money to participate. Or I should say, can no longer print the money to force their people to produce resources to participate. That's the secret destiny of that positive feedback, is that an arms race will inevitably lead to some kind of economic collapse, you know, all things being equal, barring the discovery of super technologies that allow you to do stupid things for free. But, you know, I kind of think Heinlein's dictum, Tan Staffel, is true. That there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. And that comes from The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert Heinlein. A great book. Worth reading. There's a funny computer with a funny personality. And moon people hurl rocks at the Earth. And I kind of love that part of the story, too. But anyways, um, barring a world where you have free lunches, arms races end. But here's the thing about the methane issue. It's a positive feedback. Let me explain. As methane gets released, the Earth's temperature does go up. Over a 10-year period, methane is at least 100 times in terms of greenhouse forcing 100 times that of CO2 and understand that the feedback I'm about to describe could happen according to some versions of the theory in one or two decades. By the time you get to that last decade things are moving quickly. Okay so every time you release some methane the probability of another methane release goes up. That's the positive feedback. And then you release more methane. And that increases the probability that more methane that can be released will be released. Understand that frozen clathrate hydrates that are frozen in the earth, they exist within a kind of temperature, pressure, stability zone. If either temperature or pressure is impacted, the probability that that frozen methane will convert to gas increases. And for all those people say, well, damn, there are microbes. Listen, I could talk to you about the fact that a lot of things in nature have been dying. And I don't know why. I kind of think that there are people who have been studying geoengineering who may know part of the answer to that question. I don't want to go into it. But the fact is, even if you're going to say you're going to bet on microbes, they simply couldn't eat the stuff fast enough. Trillions of tons, okay? One 50 gigaton release that could happen rather quickly according to Professor Shakova at the University of Alaska. One 50 billion ton release of methane, which could be right around the corner, would raise the Earth's temperature by one degree Celsius in three months. The likelihood of All the other methane cooking off at that point is nearly certain, and there is frozen methane everywhere. There's frozen methane up and down the continental shelves. It is entirely probable that frozen methane being released explains that thing called the Bermuda Triangle. If frozen methane gets released in enough quantity, a ship can rapidly sink. The water is essentially well, it's, it's basically become a lot less dense. And so all of a sudden, that ship that was buoyant in the very heavy, dense water is no longer buoyant, nearly instantly not buoyant, in the boiling methane water. That is a release of methane. And that's probably happened periodically throughout history because this temperature pressure stability, it's not perfect. You can have an earthquake or an underwater eruption you can have a lot of events that can trigger a lot of this frozen methane to be released. Okay, so it's not it's not as simple as it would only be the, the, Earth's, the Earth's temperature going up. No, there are other things that could trigger it, but here's the deal. Methane itself is an immensely more powerful greenhouse gas than CO2. And I would contend, if we're not being lied to about the issues around methane, that they've probably known this right from the beginning. Like, I don't think we've been told any truth at all when it comes to climate change or global warming or whatever ridiculous nonsense Greta Thunberg or Al Gore or some person from the Cato Institute, that Björg Bjorgen Lundström guy who basically tells us there's nothing to worry about. I think he might be full of crap because added to the list is the permafrost and oh by the way we have to start if you believe what you're told using that term ironically because the permafrost is basically no longer the permafrost is more or less barely freezing over in the winter now along the arctic circle but it's mostly thawed there are fires that never went out last year or the year before And here's the thing, the cool thing about permafrost. It covers up maybe 20, 30, 40, 50,000 years of dead decaying, still to be decayed, because it's not decaying yet, organic material. And all of it, most of it, almost all of it, or at least a significant portion of it, will convert to methane or CO2, but in this case it won't matter. I hope you're already seeing how this can be worse than dollar collapse. Um, Dollar collapse would be crazy economic chaos and this is the one I'm hoping for but what I'm describing is a fuzzy event that I think that they've been lying about and that is the clathrate gun or the methane bomb and it has nothing to do with your SUV it has almost nothing to do with all the other crap that they've you know, guilt tripped you about. In reality, if you want to blame anything, blame Keynesian economics. Blame socialism. You want to blame anything for where we're at. You're seeing the absolute imbalance between the terrible consum- conceptions of people and the actual way the ecosystem works. Okay, so if you want to blame something, blame John Maynard Keynes and blame the central banks, but you don't need to take the blame because you own an SUV and all this organic material, if a significant significant amount converts to methane as well, according to some theories, could lead to Venus syndrome and so the worst case of the clathrate gun, which many people say not all, ends up at Venus syndrome is that the Earth itself becomes, you know, unsurvivable. That no living thing might... That all living things, or at least most living things, could go extinct. And it's plausible that the real answer is pretty much all. I mean, other than maybe in whatever deep caverns there's some water left over where a few bacteria can thrive, okay. There might be cracks and crevices deep in the Earth. But if the Earth entered Venus Syndrome, and that is one theory then yeah, Um, life on Earth would cease to exist for humans. We'd have to go someplace else. Or if governments thought this was going to happen, and here's the interesting thing, they might do something, like geoengineering. And if geoengineering failed, they might do something like, I'm not going to say nuclear winter. It actually makes way more sense for them to trigger a caldera with a nuclear, you know, with a nuclear weapon, and then say, oops, you know, Yellowstone went off and this other caldera went off, and there's nothing we could have done about it, and welcome Ice Age. Because once you enter the clathrate gun, unless the earth can be immediately frozen in some way, you're almost screwed. But here's the thing: I don't know that we know, even if even if this is a methane event, and let's say for the sake of argument that we are in the midst of a major methane event that will only get worse because of the positive feedback because every time the methane gets released it increases the probability that more (laughs) methane will be released so the only question is how much how quickly that's it that's the question now worst cases trillions of tons in a matter of months maybe a year or two um, once you're in it and we could have started this process Well, I mean, again, we're talking about nonlinear math. So this process, in some incremental sense, might have begun a hundred or more years ago. And one more thing. This could have been inevitable. Like, even if we did speed it up, and this is the question mark, it's possible that since we've been warming out of an ice age, that these materials, these, you know, this giant pile of crap under the ironically named permafrost, was always going to convert. And so what we could really be seeing, and this is my point, um, is the rapid transition of the Earth back to what we you might consider its normal state. And the normal state is called Hothouse Earth. And that's an Earth that's... And I like to call it... I like to call it as winter gets closer and hopefully we get a winter this year. Um, you know, because that's going to be an issue too. If the clathrate event is kicked off... Um, no no amount of geoengineering, if that's what they're doing. No amount of geoengineering is gonna give you much of a winter, either this year or next year. The winters will be over for a while. And then the only question is where does that equilibrium state settle? And since I got seven minutes left, I need to bottle this up because we start with cargo profits, and here I am acting like a prophet, but I'm not. I'm simply talking about a bugbear that I deal with that I hope is not true. So we know that once the clathrate gun process starts, it rapidly builds, it's not linear. And so asking a question, when did it start? 10 years ago? 20 years ago? They started noticing boiling methane in the Arctic Ocean, I think a decade or so ago. And so this has been a subject of some understanding. And if it is a methane event, okay. But then the question is, how bad? And I kind of think the Hothouse Earth people are right, which means that we settle on Florida man world, where, ironically or unironically, depending on your perspective, most of Florida goes underwater. But in Florida man world, humans can survive. We can grow food. We can trade. Yeah, life is going to be hard, and we're going to have to deal with a lot of these nuclear reactors that have been built at sea level. This is bad. So there are things we're going to have to do, and we're going to have to do them, in my opinion, if we want any chance and heck of succeeding, We're going to have to do them voluntarily. We're going to have to do them based on liberty. We may have thought liberty was optional during the great central bank splurge of the last 100 years. But what I'm saying is it's not only a thing we want. It's something we need. It's something the earth needs. The earth needs humans to be in a dance with it. The earth needs humans to be free. The Lord in heaven ultimately demands it, but the ecosystem we got post-Eden requires a dance. And one of the partners has been kind of screwing up for 100 years because one of the partners believed you could print your way to success. Thank you, cargo profit. But yeah, Florida man world is the one where we can end up, hothouse earth. In that world, there's not gonna be a lot of snow anywhere. I mean, maybe some mountain ranges will still accumulate snow at some point. It's hard to say. I think it's also just as likely if they've been geoengineering, and I think that they have been. I know I'm gonna say, oh, Dan, you're a conspiracy, whatever, get over it. But if they've been geoengineering, it's also possible we could experience double catastrophe syndrome. And the outcome of double catastrophe syndrome could be what I've sometimes called the Great Swamp Cooler. And so if you've listened to my podcast, I call it the Great Swamp Cooler. Imagine if 15%, say, of the mass of water in the Earth's oceans converted to vapor over the period of a few months, maybe a year. You'd say, well, that's no big deal. But it's potentially the case that there's a lot of energy trapped in the oceans. And if it's been forcibly trapped, which means there's been a champagne, a cork put on the champagne bottle. What happens when you take the cork off? The Venus Syndrome, people say, well, you get evaporation, but the water immediately becomes another greenhouse gas because you don't get proper clouds and blah, blah, blah. And they could be right. But if you get a rapid release of water from the oceans, then you could experience a kind of Earth-wide air conditioner, probably the craziest, most dangerous air conditioner you could imagine. If you think hurricanes and tornadoes are dangerous, if you are one of the places where this air conditioner's forces are most active, there will be no life because the winds will be going hundreds and hundreds of miles per hour constantly, probably for months, maybe even a few years. And you'll have rainstorms that don't stop for a while. And worst case, the rain could convert to snow. And then you could enter, as, as completely absurd as this sounds, you could enter an ice age. And the only question is how bad. Do you enter a little ice age because you've got a lot of methane up there, so there is an issue of balance. I mean, methane does break down. It just it takes a while. It takes It takes a while. It doesn't happen instantly. So for at least 10 years, you've got that methane... The methane blanket. Or does it go all the way to something called snowball earth where there's so much ice that you get albedo effect and the earth just cools off quickly and all that methane more or less gets trapped or broken down. And we enter an ice age that could last hundreds of thousands of years. So you can see I'm hoping for Florida, man. So as we close out, as this radio broadcast is being sent from Florida, you know where that is. You know that Florida is someplace right around the corner. You know it's coming to a place near you, Juneau, Alaska. There will be alligators coming to Juneau. There'll be alligators. There's alligators heading to Juneau. They'll be chugging on salmon with 17 eyes because of, you know, reactors melting down, but life will go on. You'll eat your seven-eyed salmon. You'll have your four-eyed steak. You'll have an existential conversation with your steak before you kill it. You'll ask about the future, about love, about desire, and the steak will look up at you ...as it slowly gets cooked off... ...it'll smile in its beefsteak way... ...that smile that you get from the steak when it's almost done... ...and it'll say to you... ...buck up, young ranger, because you're on your way to Happy Town... ...the ship's almost here... ...the train's gonna arrive... ...there's stuff in a box... There's stuff in a box labeled love.